Are You Just Watching is supported by our dearly loved listeners. Special thanks to Tim Martin, Craig Hardy, and Richard French for their monthly support. To help support Are You Just Watching, please go to patreon.com slash areyoujustwatching. Are you just watching episode 61, Star Trek Beyond? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And this is uh, another one of our In the Theater episodes. And hopefully we can get this out while it's still in theaters because, boy, it's a lot of fun. (laughs) (laughs) A lot to talk about. There's a lot to talk about. And, I mean, I just got to look geeky, you know, because I just love Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't believe we've ever done a Star Trek movie on Are You Just Watching? So this is a first for a very many movies that are out there. Not to jump ahead too much, but it really did feel like this was the first of the Kelvin timeline Star Trek ones that really embraced the originality of the series. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, it, it had a little bit more out and beyond adventure. Yeah. Which is probably where it got its name. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, imagine that. <laughs> Um, So we will try and just speak for a little bit purely from a non-spoiler point of view for those of you who haven't seen the movie yet, though I say just go see it. You might as well. I mean, you want to. If you're listening to this episode, that means you're a Trekkie. You want to go see this movie if you haven't Hey, they may never have watched Star Trek, and they just love to hear our dulcet tones. Maybe. I doubt it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this is obviously the third movie in the reboot with all new actors playing the characters. And uh, I have to say, I'm a big fan of the reboot. I actually like the new actors somewhat more than some of the old actors. I won't say which ones. <laughs> I, I almost feel like you're, you're not saying just in case they're listening. No, they're not listening. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> well, what is there? There's only about half of them left now, right? Yeah. Of course, Kelly's gone. Yeah, there's a scene in the movie where they sh- they show a picture of the original cast in character, obviously. And I almost teared up thinking about how many of them were no longer with us. We're getting old, Eve. Uh, yeah, it's passing the generation, I guess. <laughs> but anyway, what did you think of the movie? I'm sitting here gushing about it. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wouldn't consider myself a Trekkie. Mm-hmm. But I am a fan of Star Trek. And, uh, it, you know, I've, I've said before that I'm all about the story. Mm-hmm. And Star Trek has consistently, through many series now, delivered a really strong story with good uh, social commentary and mm-hmm. uh, moral uh, quandaries, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, they always come out making the right choice. And I've always enjoyed that. Star Trek, I, I, it's funny because I've actually, over the last couple of weeks, I've been revisiting Star Trek Voyager. That's mm. the TV show that I never got to see in its entirety when it aired the first time because it came on a channel I didn't get well. Oh, no. And so I missed like the first two, three, maybe seasons, all of the seasons that had cast in them, basically. But I think overall, all of the Star Treks have always been um, just fun entertainment in which, but fun entertainment that makes you think, which is a really good thing for this podcast because that's, that's what we're about. We're not just about <laughs> watching, we're about thinking. And there's so much that, especially Gene Roddenberry, buried into his plot lines um, in order to talk about what's going on in the world at the time that he was making the show. It wasn't even about some future problem. It was always about the problems that we deal with now. Yep. And, and looking at them, and this is what I've always loved about science fiction is that you can blow things out of proportion in a futuristic or scientific uh, environment and and really make good commentary about it that you couldn't do in a real-life uh, drama. Yeah. Yeah, It's uh, Star Trek is uh, famous or infamous, depending on the circle <laughs> you're in, right. for having the first multiracial kiss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now— And a woman uh, officer. Uh, yeah, and uh, African-American on the bridge. And mm-hmm. Yes, he broke a lot— <laughs> 
<laughs> social mores and with he, that And show. he could get away with it because it was the future. Future, right, right. And I'm sure there were people that, that got upset about it, but they really couldn't say anything about it because nobody knows what the future holds except right. God. And so he could pretty much play with that all he wanted. Mm -hmm. Got it through the network that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, before I go into uh, my other general impressions, mm -hmm. I wanted to comment. I'm, I'm actually working on a... Um, a Sunday school lesson for this Sunday for the uh, high schoolers at my church um, based on Christian critical thinking and, and media, you know, based on Are You Just Watching? Mm. And, um, you know, it's just a 45-minute lesson plan, uh, shorter than our podcast normally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Much shorter in some cases. Yeah. And I was uh, reviewing the philosophies, and, and I realized that uh, – the overarching philosophy of so much, if not all, science fiction movies is humanism. That, mm -hmm. that you know, mankind will be its own salvation. And as Christians, uh, we don't believe that. We acknowledge that. Uh, but I want to just put that aside for the <laughs> remainder of this podcast. Um, it, it's just something that, that we're going to accept that the... Uh, that the authors and or producers and or creative minds behind it um, may or may not have been uh, pushing a humanistic philosophy. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, like I said before, mm -hmm. it was, a, a, I, I don't want to say truly original plot, but it was much more original than many of the things we see come out of Hollywood these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I'm really a fan of Simon Pegg, and I know that he played a big part in writing it, too. Yeah, and, and the thing that I thought was very interesting about it was the other, well, the reboot, the original reboot, Star Trek, uh, with the first one with the, the new actors, um, was not retelling a story. Uh, right. It was rebooting us back to uh, a portion of Star Trek that we never got to see, how Kirk got his ship, and, and it was all new because you know, the timeline had been changed. And exactly. Yeah, it was it was tied to the past through its changes. <laughs> right. But the, the second movie was definitely a reboot of another movie, which was um, Star Trek Wrath of Khan. Easily and the most popular. E yes. And it was, which was never my favorite movie of the original <laughs> Star Trek movies. I never liked it. How could you not like Ricardo Monteblanc? Uh, uh, it was just a little too dark for me when at the age I was when it came out. And ah. I never revisited it. Yeah, he was a scary guy. Yeah, it was very scary. But yeah, I, I thought that that movie was well done, but it was kind of retelling something, you know, doing like a little flip on it for you. But yeah. it was definitely a homage to the other movie. And but this one, I really felt like it just broke the mold. It just went out and did what Star Trek should do and just yeah. fling yourself out there and, and give us cool new things to look at and new new bad people and... <laughs> Yeah, it, it like like you said, the uh, the second movie was a lot of uh, homages, uh, homages, homages. I, I'm not sure how to say it right, <laughs> but not all of them were done well. Yeah, uh, but this one had a lot of really subtle ones mm -hmm. that I thought were done spectacularly. Well, at the same time, it told a good story and didn't. Yeah, didn't yeah, hit it, itself. It, it, to none anything. of them impacted the story. They right. Were just. They were there for lawyer, loyal viewers, you know, to snag. And I will, I will tell the the viewers before we, I, before we leave this section, um, that if you're holding back watching it because um, the trailer makes it look really dark and gloomy and like everything goes wrong, um, I will tell you this: I kind of went in with hesitation about that because I don't like those kind of movies where it's, you know, that people are enslaved and it looks like mm -hmm. the end and um, but this movie, it does it while that does happen. I mean, what you see in the trailers does happen. It's not as doom and gloom as you think. And there's always there's always somebody coming to the rescue at at some point. So you never lose hope in the movie. Yeah. And I, I and think that was well a nice balance. Yeah, it was very well balanced. And yeah. uh, and the action is amazing. All the way through, there's there's really nonstop. There, it, the movie doesn't slow down anywhere that I can remember. But you know what? It, you're right. It it well it it was very well paced. Mm -hmm. So the slow parts didn't were, feel 
didn't f- drag. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they, they were perfect where – well, not perfect, but, you know, they, they fit right where they were. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were so engaged in, in learning the story or watching Ohura, um, you know, be all confident and, and – uh, <laughs> And, uh, uh, you know, real tough gal. Oh, yeah. Um, lady <laughs> hero. We had actually we had quite a few lady heroes. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted to quickly mention the, the music in the movie, which you oh, said yes. you didn't notice. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, you've always been a lot more in tune to the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See what I did there? I think I was. Honestly, I forgot to pay attention to yeah, it. Yeah, it was such a good movie you forgot. And see, that's the thing is is that uh, a good score you really don't notice unless yeah. you're paying attention. And it, it, I, and this in adds. particular movie, the score was fantastic. It was uh, um, We've done actually several movies that have had scores by Michael Giacchino. And uh, he's um, he did the score for Tomorrowland and also Inside Out. Uh, and num- numerous others. I think that we've we've mentioned him several times on this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, but yeah, it's a beautiful score. Going to play a little bit of it here. And you know, listening to that, you have to also mention that there were a couple songs in this <laughs> i think what yes, did they it what wasn't it, all just instrumental in this yeah case. and and you know i think it was um bones mentioning to spock or questioning spock is that classical yeah i thought that was a good line uh, you was, know it actually took me a second to figure out what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah it did me too i was like what is he referring to as classical um it's actually uh what is it what did you say Beastie it was Boys. Beastie Boys sabotage. Yeah, sabotage, and it's a and it's a very crucial as crucial spot in the movie, and it's very well done. <laughs> yeah, it was. It, it actually it was a uh, not a plot point, but uh, you know a pivot or a plot a pi- device or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah, it was and great. It was, it, I would never have been able to fit it in the way they the way they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And okay, there was a little bit of corniness to it, but it still <laughs> fit so well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did. And I, I'm granted, I never have listened to that kind of music, and I obviously had to look it up because it's not my kind of music. But it, <laughs> it, um, it definitely fit the way they used it in the movie. So if you don't like that kind of music, just be be ready for it and realize that it it fits where they put it. <laughs> So, are anything else you want to say before we yeah, end our there, spoiler? There was, well, I have one complaint, <laughs> and uh, that was that the movie had so many uh, important elements that I felt like they might have bitten off more than they could chew. And not to not to get into spoilers, but there's a weapon that comes into play. Uh, and a an ancient race and ruins, all of which go pretty much unexplained, just side references. Mm-hmm. It almost made me wonder if there wasn't going to be a novelization where they actually revealed some of that information. And uh, they had this, they have this huge space station. Uh, I'm pretty sure it makes an appearance in the trailers mm-hmm. called the Yorktown that. Uh, Amazing. You know, could be it could be a story all in its own, <laughs> and it just serves as backdrop. So I, I wish they were a little bit more focused, mm-hmm. um, because well, it worked. Now I want to go back and see it again so I can pick up some of the stuff I missed. Maybe even listen to the soundtrack. <laughs> well, you know the the interesting thing was is that I I came out of it thinking I really saw two. Um, themes in the movie that it seemed like they were just hammering on so hard that it was almost in your face. And I appreciate when movies try to make points, but I think they need to be subtly made, not rammed down your throat every other line. And I think that, I mean, if we're going to talk about the things they did wrong with this movie, I would say the the two themes that really popped out at me were too heavy handed. Uh, Yeah. 
the the first one was about finding your finding or losing yourself in a world that's shifting a relative. Okay. Which was a lot of how the story started for Kirk, right? Right. And and there's actually two characters that are struggling with that. And the the Kirk and the bad guy. And so they they're both coming they both had different problems with it, but they rammed that down your throat almost constantly with the lines they were saying. Uh, especially they wrapped it up in the end with some comments that it was like, Oh yeah, if I hadn't gotten the point now, I got it now. Um yeah. it, it just they they were really pushing that one really hard. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that I really felt like they shoved down shoved a little bit too hard was the stronger fighting together versus uh, fighting as an individual. The whole unity theme. The the unity theme. And that was that was um, emphasized by several characters in different mm-hmm. settings where they weren't talking about the same thing. And they were good themes. I'm not bashing the theme. I just think that the movie was a little heavy handed. <laughs> what, you got something against unity? <laughs> well, we'll get into that. <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, um, I also notice those two themes, obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, you, like I said, you can't miss it. I mean, they're yeah. hammering you over the head with them. So, <laughs> um, I I have a couple others that we'll we'll discuss later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I I can certainly see the heavy handedness that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I. I do want to emphasize that it didn't really detract from the movie, um, except maybe to break the fourth wall just a little bit. Well, like I said, I, if we're we're being nitpicky here, yeah, exactly. I love I love this the is movie. our section for nitpicking. Yeah, well, you know, I love the movie, and that you know, these are just things that uh, I think that they were heavy-handed with their themes. But I, like I said, I like movies to have them. So yeah. it's much better to have themes and be heavy-handed with them than to have a plotless movie that has no theme. <laughs> <laughs> Come out of the theater going, "What did I just watch? Uh, why was I? Why did I waste those two hours?" Um, but yeah, I think we could probably wrap up our, our spoiler thing so we could actually talk about some of this stuff without ruining yes. the movie for people. Um, I, I just want to say that there are a few bad words. I, I actually had yep. to look up, I had to look up pluggedin.com's uh, review because I couldn't remember whether I heard bad words or not. Yeah. And um, they, just, they, just like I was, didn't remember hearing music. Yeah, See, it's the same thing. Yeah, they, they, but there were a handful. I don't think. Uh, uh, obviously, the way um, Bones talks—that just that character was well established before the current uh, actor pl- started playing him. Oh yeah, uh, uses yeah. Uh, uses God's name in vain a lot, mm-hmm. and that is something as Christians that we should be sensitive to. That I think we're all getting a little desensitized. Yeah. Because we hear it so much. And we slip up all, all, all the time ourselves. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that other than that, this movie has no sex in it. It has lots of violence, but it's all clean violence. You don't see anybody. Well, there was a man getting thrown out of a woman's quarters in their uh, respective undergarments. Oh. <laughs> I think that's the closest we got to uh, sexual content in this one. Yeah. It, it definitely was not um, like a hot sex scene anywhere. No. <laughs> So you don't have to worry about that. There is violence in the movie. Um, there, There is um, a, a lot of violence, but it, I think it's kind of like what we were discussing in Tomorrowland. Uh, for the most part, it seems to be fairly, fairly just make them all disappear, you know, phasers on, destroy, and they just evaporate kind of thing. Yeah, there wasn't really any uh, blood and guts. Right. I think uh, the closest thing to that was getting spaced. Right. Right. And and I think at least the younger audiences are going to really understand what that would entail. Yeah. There is some um some pretty violent stuff now they think about it, but Yeah. Uh it, it it like like we said there is it is not um blood and guts violence, so it just depends on how sensitive uh there are characters that die. Um there's one character mm-hmm. that you connect with and then is killed. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about her, actually. Yeah. So let's leave the spoiler section, spoiler free section. If you haven't seen the movie, this would be the point to stop and go see the movie and come back because we do want you to come back and hear the rest of our discussion. Insert elevator music here. <laughs> All right. So. Spoilers. It's time for spoilers. <laughs> okay. So uh, you, do you mind if I start? Sure. Go ahead. Okay, so the movie starts with the, that first heavy-handed uh, uh, theme that that you were talking about, mm-hmm. which is 
Um, they're three years into their five-year mission. Right. I, I think uh, they're on the 966th day <laughs> in deep space. And uh, y- you know what? It, I've done a couple deployments in my time, and mm-hmm. I have to say none of them even came close to approaching that. So 966 days without human contact. Now, granted, they're they're in contact with alien races. Uh, the and their own crews. They're not by themselves. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're a crew together and a, a very large crew based on the size of the ships. So, mm-hmm. um, significantly smaller when they're finished, though. Yes, significantly. And um, we don't have to, I mean, obviously, hey, folks, you, the spoilers or spoiler-free zone is over. The Enterprise does get destroyed. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Again. <laughs> I'm never naming a car Enterprise. <laughs> hey, you know, the, the, the aircraft carrier made it to mothballs. So. Oh, that's true. <laughs> um, I want to say, didn't the original Enterprise, the wooden ship, didn't that get destroyed? <laughs> I don't know, but I know that they they actually mothballed the uh, aircraft carrier, so it it made it through a nice <laughs> long life. <laughs> it's the exception, not the rule. <laughs> um, but uh, <clears throat> the it, so it, Kirk is getting burned out, and uh, it, it, he's. You know, he he's had a really bad day, uh, and it's funny for the, the audience to watch the bad day because, you know, he he goes on this diplomatic mission. And it all and falls apart. The, these monstrous beings. Turn out and, to be the size of a dog. Yeah, turn out to be the size of a dog. <laughs> a chihuahua, no less. Um, Ankle biters. <laughs> uh, they, they're just uh, frustratingly... Um, suspicious and everything, and you know you feel for him when when he and Bones are sitting together having a toast uh, for Kirk's birthday, which he doesn't like anyway because there's this you know death um, of his father hanging over him every time he remembers yeah, his birth. His, yeah, his dad died self-sacrifice the day he was born. That's got to be tough, right? So, um, and I was thinking, you know, as Christians, uh, our walk is sometimes very much like that, where, you know, no matter what we do, it doesn't seem like our message is getting through or anyone is paying attention to us. And we we all have those days. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was really uh, feeling it, you know, it was really sympathetic or empathetic for <laughs> Kirk. Right. Um, when he was going through that. And it, and it put me in mind of a passage in Romans, um, which uh, is Romans 5, 1 through 5. Uh, Therefore, we have been justified by faith. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him. We have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that our suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, Mm. because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Mm. And, you know, when we're suffering the burnout that uh, Chris Pine so very well portrays in the beginning of this film, mm-hmm. um, it, it's important to remember that, you know, the uh, the suffering that we are going to encounter in our lives uh, as strangers in this strange land mm-hmm. is not always going to be big massive stuff it's not going to be car accidents and burglaries or terrorist attacks sometimes it's the little stuff that gets under your skin Mm -hmm. and even that little stuff is used to produce endurance and to build character Mm -hmm. and uh we have god's reassurance of that happening and and i think that's uh an important part of the christian life is remembering even in the darkest of days and even in the days where you just can't see the silver lining, 
uh, that we have that promise. Right. And, and, you know, in addition to that, because I kind of took a different angle on, on the struggles that they were going through. Um, one of the quotes that he says to his captain's log right at the beginning, um, he says, challenge, it's a challenge to feel grounded when even gravity is artificial. Oh, yeah, I like that line. And, and to me, it kind of is a commentary on our society and our culture that everything is relative. And when you live in something that um, there's there's no foundation, there's no rock on which to stand, mm-hmm. then then you then you have a hard time ever feeling like you have a firm foundation under you. And what that brought to mind for me was uh, one of the, the very quick uh, parables that Jesus mm-hmm. spoke of in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, these are his words in Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And the reason why I think that, you know, that is a good scripture when you're talking about the struggle that Kirk was going through was that there are several times where he's talking in the beginning of the movie about how he just feels so without foundation, like he has no reason, no real um, belief system upon which to uh, put place his career. Yeah. And he says later on, I guess in the discussion with Bones, he says that talking about his father, he said that his father joined Starfleet because he believed in it, but Kirk joined because of Adair. And it wasn't, there wasn't any belief in Starfleet. And so he, now he's, you know, several years into his career and he's starting to kind of lose focus. Mm-hmm. And then we have this other guy um, who, spoiler, um, actually <laughs> was a Starfleet captain who went bad. Because Starfleet failed him, and he had put his he had put his trust in the in Starfleet, even though he was a little bit unwary of Starfleet to begin with, because he was a soldier and he didn't like this whole idea of peace anyway. Yeah. But then he goes off into the unknown, gets lost, and and he feels abandoned because Starfleet never comes and rescues him, and it turns him bad. And and so we have two captains in a similar situation where their foundation crumbles or they didn't have one to begin with. Mm-hmm. And we see what happens to them because of that. Let's jump into uh, Crawl slash Captain Balthazar Edison. <laughs> That's an, that, that name is a mouthful. Yes, it is. Uh, played by uh, the always enjoyable Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, he is... Um, He's poisoned. Uh, he really is. And uh, actually, part of uh, a significant part of that, uh, the stuff that, that I came out of the theater feeling like I missed mm-hmm. was his, how in the world he has survived all this time. By killing and, people and sucking their life force. Right. But how did, uh, you know, <laughs> how, did, how did he get the ability to do that? It was the technology on the planet. They answered yeah, that question. Yeah, I had missed that. Yeah. Um, and, he found the uh, technology on the planet, and that's where he found the ships, and everything that he was using was all stuff he found on the planet. I didn't realize until today that the other two characters, uh, the woman who uh, lured them into the trap, mm-hmm. I can't remember her name right now, and uh, the um, right-hand man of Crawl. That they were both also crew members. Right. Officers. Yes. Yep. I didn't realize there were, you know, three survivors and that they were all at one point humans. Mm-hmm. So um, I actually read an article today on uh, that that provided all the information I was missing as far as the, uh, uh, you know, the fact that all the pilots of the ships, they were all robots. Mm. And I, I don't know how I missed that. They were all humanoid. Um, and uh, I actually put in my notes that uh, they looked vaguely, uh, their head looked like a praying mantis. Mm-hmm. And I was reflecting at the time as uh, how praying mantises seem to uh, be the go-to bad nightmare bug, you know? Mm-hmm. Besides the three 
members of the Franklin. Mm-hmm. The only other living people were the people who had crashed, uh, either lured into a trap or uh, got stuck there because of the nebula it was stuck in. Right. So, um, I, you know, I, I felt like I I had missed something important with his story, but uh, what I didn't miss was that he was a very very much a uh, a a man who had been poisoned by his by his own resentment and uh by his own perception of betrayal and uh, actually i was i was thinking there was a proverb that applied but it turned out it was a proverb not in the bible but attributed <laughs> to buddha there's so many proverbs out there that that's that people think are biblical that aren't yeah, uh, and <laughs> it's a whole nother topic of discussion. <laughs> I, I threw I threw it into my notes anyway because uh, in in researching this proverb, I also discovered it wasn't actually Buddha. Mm. So um, the proverb in question is holding on to anger is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm-hmm. So um, it, you know it, it's very profound and short and pithy, just the way uh, good proverbs. Uh, are meant to be, mm-hmm. um, but it turns out that the the proverb is not for Buddha at all. Uh, one author went and tracked down the uh, the original source of it, and it turned out to be from Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> um, the sentiment and, of it could very well be biblical, not yeah, just the wording of it is not right. As a matter of fact, it it, it is because mm-hmm. AA uh, paraphrased it from a book called The Sermon on the Mount by Emmett Fox. And uh, the uh, section that they paraphrased was, no scientific Christian ever considers hatred or excreation to be justifiable in any circumstances. Mm-hmm. But whatever your opinion about that might be, there is no question about its practical consequences to you. You might as well swallow a dose of prussic acid, which I assume is a poison, I didn't look it up, in two gulps, and then think to protect yourself by saying... This one is for Robespierre, and this one is for the Bristol murderer who uh, had previously been cited as an object of hatred. You will hardly have any doubt as to who will receive the benefit of the poison. So I can see why they pared it down. Yeah, well, there, and, and he's discussing – that was uh, somebody sermonizing, but he's actually yeah. discussing uh, Matthew 5 – uh, 21 through 26, in which uh, Christ addresses anger. Ah. Because he says, he says, you have heard that it was said of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out of there until you've paid the last penny. So that's what Christ has to say about anger and, and hatred. And the, I, I believe the, the quote that, Alcoholic Anonymous was using with somebody sermonizing on that. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and that makes perfect sense because, you mm-hmm. know, AA does have a very strong Christian basis. And then the end of that chapter also applies. It says, you have heard that it was said you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And that's uh, the same chapter, verses 43 through 48. Yeah. So Jesus didn't pull his punches. I mean, he was, he was talking about um, a Christian. He was talking about a Christian walk that it's really hard to emulate because he was perfect mm. and we're not. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, the word impossible comes to mind. <laughs> obviously, it can't be impossible because he ordered Christ us to did do it, it, and he told us to do it too. Yep, in his spirit, we can, but only in his spirit. Right, without sanctification. Right. Um, it it ain't possible. <laughs> um, I did want to point out though that uh, 
Idris Elba's character, Captain Edison, uh, was a very combat-specific position before the foundation of Starfleet. Mm Mm-hmm. And he even, uh, they revealed over the course of the dialogue and, and the investigation that they disbanded the combat units and gave him a ship, thinking, okay, uh, this guy's a good leader. Here you go. Um, and uh, it brought to mind uh, an issue for me that is very personal, uh, and that's of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, mm-hmm. um, particularly for our returning veterans. Or are returning soldiers because they're uh, they're still soldiers when they come back, um, and so many of them are um, they they don't get the help they need. Yeah, and you can't make an old soldier a diplomat. I mean, they're two no. totally different kinds of skills. You 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 spend you know a decade <laughs> or more expecting them to uh, be the the iron fist, mm-hmm. and you, you can't just put a velvet glove over top of it and yeah. say okay. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to uh, I wanted to give a call out to um, a organization that my nephew, who is also uh, my brother in arms, because he is also a vet, having served multiple terms and multiple tours in Afghanistan, um, wishes for warriors, and I will put that in the uh, in the show notes, and I want to encourage uh, everybody who would like to contribute to their very worthy cause to uh, check it out. Cool. So let's jump right into the other theme. Yes, the uh, unity theme. Yeah. Um, and it, the unity theme was very heavy-handed, but I came out of the movie thinking that was the primary driver. Right. Or, well, uh, I, I would disagree. Maybe not driver, but primary theme. Yeah, I would disagree. I would think that the other one was the more distinct theme because that was the one that at the end, what some of the last dialogue had was closing up um, the whole point about uh, being being lost and being mm. uh, because when Kirk is meeting with the admiral, they are discussing um, crawl and yeah. and she says, well, time will judge us all. And he says he just got lost. And and that was that was kind of his his um, hat off to the fact that in in the in the midst of all of this struggle, Kirk found a purpose, and and Crawl had lost his purpose, and and that was that whole um, that whole theme wrapped up in a nutshell right there at the end. Yeah, I I was think uh, I I guess I was viewing it as sort of a framing, mm-hmm. but you are right. I, I mean that theme plays into uh, pretty much every, every other aspect and, mm-hmm. and even plays into the second part, which is uh, the unity of uh, the crew, uh, the familiness of the crew, uh, the unity of humanity as, you know, brought on by the, the Roddenberry vision. Yeah. And not just humanity as a hu- as humans, but humanity as civilized peoples coming together in peace. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that's right. Because we have to remember there are aliens mm-hmm. fighting side by side with them. <clears throat> so humanity is every being. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it, we actually talked about uh, the importance of uh, the individual aspects of teamwork and and everything in our uh, episodes fifty nine and sixty mm-hmm. uh, about the Martian, right? And that actually played in here. Uh, not in so much as, uh, you know, their individual skills, though that does play a part, mm-hmm. um, but that the crew of the Enterprise are all serving the same ideal. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that uh, brought to mind Acts 4, uh, 32. Now the number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common. And that, uh, if I recall correctly, is right after the uh, Pentecost, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. So um, The picture it, of the of the early church. Yeah. It, it, it shows how they, they came together almost uh, in a socialist aspect. It was that, that there's a big difference because the, what, when people say that the early church was socialistic, they aren't taking into account that the early church was voluntarily sharing Precisely. It doesn't necessarily say that they gave, they, they put everything they had in a common pot and lived off of it. It said that they shared when people had a need. Yep. And there's a big difference in that. And and people misread that passage 
And it's a voluntary see a need. If you have a way to fulfill that need, then you do it Excellent within point. within a community of, of close knit, um, in this case, believers. And mm-hmm. to be honest, I really feel that's the only way it works is when it's yeah. within a close knit community of believers. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's um, that is a type of existence that Roddenberry's vision was based on the, the utopia of eliminating poverty and hunger. Though uh, a lot of the stories that they have done have shown that even though, uh, you know, physical needs are taken care of, there's still plenty of evil to go around. Mm -hmm. So Roddenberry's vision uh, very much depended upon, uh, you know, living in harmony uh, with one another, which is exactly what Paul says in Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Mm -hmm. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly guilty of, uh, of thinking myself wise in my own sight more often than not, but do me a favor and, and, you know, don't point it out to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, Roddenberry has, uh, you know, the entire Federation built around this and they, the Federation treats their, uh, existence, their, their, um, their ideals, very much like uh, we as Christians treat evangelism. We have the um, the Great Commission, um, it, which I know we've read before, but I'm going to read it again because you can never have too much scripture. I know. Matthew 28, 16 through 20, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And that's very similar, uh, allegorical even, to what the Federation does. But I would actually play devil's advocate on that. I understand yeah. I understand the parallel that you're trying to draw, but I think that everybody who has a philosophy tries to share it. I mean, that's that's just human nature. You want other people to believe the same way you do. Sure, but... And, and with the Federation, especially, you have to take into mind that Gene Roddenberry, as you pointed out at the very beginning, and said you were going to put it on a shelf and forget about it. Um, <laughs> he is a proselytizer of humanism. Yes. And so therefore, while you're drawing a very nice parallel, I don't think that that it's um, necessarily (laughs) a useful one, because we do know that that Gene Roddenberry was proselytizing his worldview. Yep. Well, yeah, absolutely. And that's what we all do. He had a bully pulpit. Right. Exactly. Um, It's what I wanted to point out is that uh, the Federation, when working properly, <laughs> did not force anyone into it. Just like right. um, Christians who are evangelizing. Definitely uh, should are, not be forcing anybody into this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, come to mind, uh, Westboro? Westboro, yes. It, it, that's exactly the opposite of what, what uh, we should be doing. And, and I appreciate that... Uh, you know the, the way the federation is done um that they they lay it out they serve as an example and then they say if you're interested here's what you got to do well if, and if you're not interested you know think about it yeah but and i think that that's an interesting distinction is is that we're not we're not supposed to not share but we're supposed to share in the correct attitude with humbleness and gentleness and that's said in multiple times throughout scripture yeah. Um, that that we we share the we share the reasons for for why we believe what we believe for the hope that we have, um, but we don't we don't uh, we do it gently, and uh, I I think that there there is a in 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 Starfleet they have the prime directive where you know if the people are not um, up to the level you know they won't bother them at all and I don't think mm-hmm. that that fits well with our Great Commission we are supposed to share it that's true. Um, regardless. And uh, so we have to be a little bit careful with drawing that parallel. But yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's similar. I see where you're getting with that. And, and what I just referred to in paraphrase was First Peter 3.15. Okay. Um, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you, but do it with gentleness and respect. 
Um, well, before we, I, I want to play devil. I want to actually do a little reverse on on your points again. Okay, I'm having I'm feel, having feel fun free. with this because because <laughs> you like have one perspective and I have a different perspective. <laughs> That's why we work well together. Yes, that's why we do. Uh, and I, and your perspective isn't wrong. I'm just I just took a different angle on on what they were doing with this whole um, uh, stronger fighting together than as individuals, and this mm-hmm. whole macrocosm of we we depend on each other and we need each other, and it it put me in in um, a remembrance of a historical account of the judges in the Old Testament, and you remember Gideon, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, Gideon uh, raised an army to go against their enemies. And God said, uh, no, your army's too big. I, I and, and this is this is actually what he says. He says, the Lord said to Gideon, the people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand. Lest Israel boast over me saying my own hand has saved me. And then it skipped down a little bit. And it says, and the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men who left, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Not the people. God will do it. Mm-hmm. And then he, and then at the end it says, and when they blew the three hundred trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his comrade and against all the army, and the army fled as far as Bethshida towards Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola by Tabith. And this is Judges seven verses two, verses seven, and verses twenty-two. I skipped because it's a huge passage. Yeah, but <laughs> but what nice I wanted jo- nice job on the pronunciations. By the <laughs> <way>. <laughs> um, but what I wanted to point out was is that. Um, sometimes God asks us to do things um, not as a group or not as in numbers or be, because the strength is we don't, he doesn't want us to depend on um, the strength of ourselves and the strength of the body and the strength of what we can put together in human, in our human hearts and our human nature. He wants us to depend, to depend on him. And, and so that's, a, that's kind of a difference in philosophy. And when, yes, we're stronger together as a body of believers, but God works best when when we're depending on him and not on ourselves. And yeah. and I think that that's a good thing to just remember because the points they kept making in this movie over and over again was that we're stronger together. If we team up and we work together, you know, we're going to defeat the enemy. And, and in a way that happened, even though they were outnumbered, literally outnumbered by the robots <laughs> driving all the robots. Only- not only outnumbered, but they were separated. Yeah, they were they were a broken family. They were a broken their, family. Their ideals still right. allowed them to work together. Right, and 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 that was a, and it was interesting because there was one point in the movie and I don't think I wrote it down, but where Uhura was talking to Crawl and she, and he said that um, she said that Kirk was going to come and help them uh, rescue them, and Crawl right. says I'm ex- I'm counting on it because. That was that action of unity, that action of not abandoning your crew was the very thing, the trap that that Crawl was setting. And and then there was another point where Crawl comes and tells O'Hara that, that the struggle made him strong. It wasn't unity. It wasn't peace. And and that and then he actually used the unity of the group against them to uh, bring make a character, one of the the crew men. Um, Ensign Sill. Ensign Sill um, revealed the the thing that he was looking for by hurting mm-hmm. another crewman. So he he used that unity against them, and he says, "Unity is not your strength; it's your weakness. It's something that I can exploit and use." And and so all of these things that they were pointing out in the movie, they were coming to get to make the conclusion that that we are stronger in unity, and that and that there is truth in that. But at the same time, God urges us to look beyond the things that make us strong in our own human weaknesses yeah. and look to him. And and the other thing that it brought to mind, the other passage was 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 25. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. It pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and folly to Gentiles. Mm. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Amen. I just wanted to remind people that, yeah, we're stronger together, but we're stronger together united under God's banner. And like yeah, letting it, God fight our banner, fight our battles for us. Our strength united is nothing to the the soul strength of God. 
Uh, I did want to. Uh, I wanted to say that even though the uh, the Unity theme was pretty heavy-handed, uh, the way they played it out um, with uh, with the different storylines going on, particularly the bromance going on between Scotty and McCoy, because they spend uh, much of the movie uh, sort of marooned together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. I <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Well, you know, that that whole relationship between uh, Bones and Spock, I think, was important because it's a, it's what there was originally in the original Star Trek. They were always hitting on each other and always bashing at each other. But in the end, yeah. they were always the best of friends. Yeah, actually, uh, one of the homages was uh, when they get rescued by Scotty. Scotty makes this comment about uh, beaming them out one at a time because he wouldn't want them to get spliced together. <laughs> <laughs> and and Sc- Scotty says something along the lines of, oh, I can't imagine something wor- anything worse. <laughs> and, of course, that's the entire storyline of the third movie. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think that um, they did a lot of that because you, you had um, Kirk with Chekhov. And they joined Scotty, and then and, and you just kind of got to feel some of that that original camaraderie that was part yeah. of the original Star Trek, and it was played with all new actors, and they did a fabulous job. Of I really felt like Chris Pine does a better William Shatner than William Shatner does. So, <laughs> well, I I definitely would agree he does a better Kirk, but I don't think anybody can do Shatner better than Shatner, <laughs> <laughs> except maybe Jonathan Winters, but. Uh... Yeah, it's I did. I I wanted to mention uh, along with those relationships, there's also the relationship between Scotty and and a new character in this movie uh, by the name of Jayla. Oh, I loved Jayla. You know, I I am a fan of her character as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, with her, I wanted to bring up one of my other uh, uh, pet issues. And uh, that is that Jayla was uh, – she was an orphaned refugee, literally, mm-hmm. in the movie. Her character uh, was uh, – had escaped from the tyranny of uh, Kral and his minions and uh, had been uh, working to reassemble the USS Franklin, a ship that, you know, uh, was like a century and a half or two centuries old. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, uh, even though she was a little bit, uh, you know, Mary Jane-ish as far as how in the world could somebody from a different technology, you know, pick up, pick it up and, and do it, um, she really did make me uh, – uh, she reminded – her character reminded me of uh, how we're called to treat orphans and refugees and, uh, you know, being, being an orphan particularly in biblical times, was one of the worst things that could happen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in Lamentations 5.3, uh, it says, We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. And in uh, in both those cases, they are people who have no one to care for. Them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but Christians specifically um, are told that... that uh, in John twelve eighteen, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Mm-hmm. And uh, in in James, the message continues with religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this: to visit orphans and widows in their affliction, and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the you know the the Syrian refugee crisis is still. Uh, so pressing, um, and and it's a difficult issue. I mean, it is. It, I mean, you've got terrorism in there, mm-hmm. but you have freezing and starving kids and uh, men and women. Um, we just have to uh, we have to remember that we are representatives of God's love, and I, I don't I don't think you and I have ever discussed this, but I personally uh, believe that if Say we were to uh, to bring in a terrorist uh, in the process of bringing in a hundred orphans. Um, uh, I guess that would make like a eight year old terrorist. So that doesn't really make sense. <laughs> but you know, if we bring in a thousand refugees and one terrorist, and the one terrorist commits an act of violence, we were still doing God's work. And um, 
it's not this life that we get our reward. So um, I would encourage people to, uh, you know, do their best to practice God's love. Uh, sorry, I keep getting in the downer side here. Um, I, th- speaking of downers, <laughs> the entire thing about unity uh, was really thrown off for me in the movie. Mm. When a character which you are uh, only has like maybe five lines in the entire movie uh, is killed uh, in a particularly... Uh, gruesome way, mm-hmm. but without blood and guts. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gruesome in a science fiction way, <laughs> um, and is never mentioned again. Yeah, like nobody cared. Like yeah, and and the thing was is that she was she was the character that Kirk had entrusted with a very special task. Yeah, and um, and he, I don't even think he even asked about her. Nope. And it's uh, one uh, one comment or review that I read was that um, uh, Sulu uh, saw both uh, Sil and Ohura get taken off, but when only Ohura came back, he didn't ask about Sil. Because she wasn't one of the main cast of characters, and so she was. Was she wearing a red shirt? I didn't notice. Was she <laughs> probably? <laughs> Um, but anyway, it's I I bring that to the forefront because um, you know <laughs> unity is all important, but they almost blew it. Yeah, they did with with Ensign Sill, and uh, I I really wish that they had given her uh, uh, some type of like when they were maybe mention. a toast when they were having their party at the end, you know, something like to the absent, you know. Well, they said abs- he he actually said absent friends. Yeah. 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 Something like, and to those who who gave their lives protecting us, or yeah, kind of an you know, offhanded I, kind of thing, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's you know, it, it's not just the officers that are family. Yeah. Uh, even the red shirts are family. Well, she uh, was an ensign. She was an officer. Uh, yeah. I I, I mean the senior officer. <laughs> yeah. <I guess. laughs> yeah. Well, I it really nothing justifies that, but I think that probably what they were thinking was that she was a throwaway character. They created her yeah. to throw her away. And oh, when you're putting a cool head, Oh no, didn't she? But you know, that, that, that's a problem when you're telling fiction is that you, you use characters as plot devices to further the plot and you forget to think about them as people. And, yeah. and I think that's what happened here. It was a plot device. Agreed. And, and they forgot to think of her as a person, as, yeah. as a member of the crew that people cared about. That would miss that people would miss her when she was gone. Mm-hmm. And speaking, I, I, I think she had potential to be a uh, a good character. Yeah, and speaking of, because we got to wrap this up. Speaking of <laughs> characters that are missed when they uh, go on, mm-hmm. um, this uh, there were two notices at the end of this movie. Um, one of them was in loving memory of Leonard Nimoy, mm-hmm. um, which, as most people know, he played Ambassador Spock in the first two movies. Uh, the 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 reason for the reset, the reboot, um, right. but he has since passed away. And so they actually work that into the movie. I thought that was very well done. Yeah. Um, and then as some of us know who are Trekkies and have been following mm-hmm. this, uh, one of the new actors that are, was playing Chekhov, uh, An- Anton Yel- Yelchin. Is that how you say yep. his name? Yep. Um, I think it's Yelkin, Yelkin? something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was involved in, I believe, a car wreck and was killed. Not to be too geeky on you. Yeah. But it was actually a manufacturer error mm. on the car. What happened was he had gotten out of his car in his driveway, and the car uh, was still in gear, and it pinned him to a uh, brick pillar and killed him. Mm. Yes. So anyway, that, that I don't know what they're going to do with that, but they did after the, the in memory, loving memory of Leonard Nimoy, uh, they did yeah. just – for Anton. That's all it yeah, said. Yeah, and I want to point out, he was only 24. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we never know when death is going to come for us. It's, it's yeah, a it's, sad I, reality. I, let me just throw in there that uh, we don't know when death is going to come, and that's why we have to take every opportunity we can to be the examples that Christ calls us to be. Exactly. Yes. 
It's it's important to always be sharing Christ because we don't know when our end is coming and we don't know when the end of a loved one uh, is coming. And this is a situation where it's in a blink of an eye. You just never know when something like that is going to happen. And um, yep. and I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do with it, whether there's going to be more Star Trek movies and they'll just replace the actor who played Chekhov or whether they'll uh, work Chekhov out somehow. Um, yeah. I don't know what they're going to do with that. I hope they don't bring out a new, a new Chekhov. Um, but since this is the Kelvin timeline, it can certainly be different. Um, yeah. Still, it, it's sad to see uh, such a promising. Uh, oh, he was amazing. Young actor. He, I, I think he was one of my favorites in Star Trek. Yeah. Um. He and, and he's just he played the role so well. Yeah. He he really had a a father son or mentor mentee relationship with Kirk mm-hmm. that played out very well. Mm-hmm. Um. So are we going to wrap this without talking about the controversy? <laughs> Okay, go ahead. So, going into the movie, I heard this big controversy about how they decided to make Hikaru Sulu gay. (laughs) Now, I heard that it was actually supposed to be uh, uh, sort of a shout-out to George Takai, who has since um, wrapping his role as, uh, as Hikaru Sulu in uh, on the original crew, mm-hmm. uh, come out as a uh, homosexual, as a homosexual, right. and as an advocate of homosexual rights. Now, uh, I don't think anyone who listens to this podcast will be surprised to hear that either one of us is against homosexuality. It's a sin. It's a sin. Yes. It's a sin. That said, the reason that people don't go to Christ is because the mysteries are hidden. You know, mm-hmm. they they they're dead. They they can't even reach out and grab a life preserver thrown to them. But Christ. <laughs> exactly. But for Christ. So um, we have to remember that we are the witness. We are the example. Mm-hmm. And the folks out there who are practicing homosexuals uh, or even abstinent homosexuals, um, it, they are struggling with things that are very real to them mm-hmm. uh, and are, are very real, not just to them. So we need to treat that with the the love and respect that we give all our brothers and sisters. All sinners, and right. Exactly. Yeah. Every single well, one you know, of us we, sinners. We all struggle with a, a, a particular sin that can really, it can keep us from Christ if we're not careful. Yeah. And that and that is exactly homosexuality fits with all the other sins. And God mm-hmm. God views just the presence of sin. He doesn't care what the sin is. It can be lying. It can be stealing. It can be um, adultery. Uh, it, yeah. it, it doesn't matter. I love the fact that the Bible lists gossip with uh, yeah with murder. And I know a lot of Christians and churches that have a problem with gossip. So <laughs> yeah. So I mention this only because you know what. We as Christians shouldn't make a big deal about it. If uh, somebody asks about it, absolutely be honest. Right. It, it, it's a great opportunity to witness and point to the truth of Scripture. Mm-hmm. But and uh, I and I just what? think it's uh, we have to we have to remember that we love people, um, sinners. Um, the whole point of Christianity is to give them freedom from the bondage to sin. And yeah. I've known a lot of homosexuals. Not personally, but I've known quite a few um, just on the edges of my life. And I, to me, it, it seems like that it really is a bondage. It's something that has tied them up and, and they need freedom from it. Just like mm-hmm. we do any, any other sin that, that uh, wraps us in its coils. And Christ yeah. is that freedom. And you have to repent of sin in order to find Christ. You have to yeah. turn away from it. So... When we're speaking out against homosexuality, it's not because we hate the people who are homosexuals. We love them enough to tell them that they have a sin that is keeping them from God. Yeah, it's, you know what, I I struggle with many very similar issues, and I am, you know, I'm I'm thinking of uh, some good friends and coworkers Mm -hmm. who uh, are probably even better people than me uh, in the secular viewpoint. At least, you know, I my eyes have been opened mm-hmm. to my sin, and uh, even though I I still struggle with temptation and fail, 
more often than I care to admit. Mm -hmm. I would love for them to come to the same understanding. Right. And I think that that's where, as Christians, where we need to start is reminding, you know, ourselves and those we're witnessing to, yes, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Absolutely. We, we, we are sinners too. And when people point fingers at, at Christians and say, well, they're not living a Christian life. Exactly. We're sinners too. <laughs> we're struggling yeah. too, but, but we have the hope of Christ. And that's what we want to share with people is that we have a hope in our struggle that we, we want to share with other people. When somebody points at the TV and says, hypocrite, you know, every Christian in the room should raise their hand and say, me too. Me too, yeah. <laughs> well, this has been a really fun discussion. Uh, I just, uh, this I, we should do Star Trek more often. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know what we're going to do next. Uh, I, I, we have some some ideas in the works, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll we'll let you guys know more about that as it comes. And I apologize; it's been a long, dry summer uh, from uh, from us. But you know, in more ways than one. <laughs> well, you know, we 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 came out with the Martian. We actually recorded that at the end of May, and it, and it, it took us a while to get the two episodes actually posted. And then you know, now it's August, and we've got actually gone two months without recording. So yeah, well, it's it's we it, you know it, it's. A very busy summer for both of us. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're looking forward to getting back into the swing of things. And I think with the start of the school year, uh, I think we'll get back on track. Yes, yes. And we'll, you know, I really do enjoy doing the DVD uh, presentations, even though they are yeah. a lot more production heavy. Um, I think that they're uh, really interesting to be able to get more in depth into stuff. I mean, this movie would have been wonderful <laughs> to do a, DV- <laughs> do a DVD presentation on, but. Oh, uh, I, I'm. I, you know, this is one of the few movies, uh, I'd say less than 10% of the movies that I ever see, I want to see again. Right. And I want to go see this one again because I feel like there's so much, that, so many little stuff that I could have caught. Right. Well, that's where our listeners come in. And uh, we really, really do want you to comment. Um, do come to uh, our Facebook page. And also the show notes for this will be areyoujustwatching.com slash 61. And we want you to uh, just participate in the discussion because we did miss a lot. I mean, this movie is mm. packed full of stuff. And yeah, I, I didn't even touch on a third of my notes. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you had extensive notes, and I knew I was, I was sitting here going, "How are we going to fit that in an hour?" Well, we're not. This this episode is yeah, going uh, to be we're well over an hour. <laughs> this episode is going to be way over an hour when we finish <laughs> editing it. So sorry, sorry folks. Guys. <laughs> sorry. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 903-231-2221. You can email us at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. So anyway, that's all the ways you can contact us. We we really dearly love our listeners. And just uh, remember to support us on Patreon if you can, because uh, we are only at half running at half our support right now in order to make this podcast happen. And uh, we would like to be at full support. Um, just so that we can continue to continue to meet our obligations to our network. Yeah, our next episode, we're going to have to cut out every other word. <laughs> That's going to be fun editing. <laughs> <laughs> this is E. Franklin. And Tim Martin. Thanks so much for listening. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. Our opening vocal talent was thanks to Mariah. The theme song is used courtesy of Answers in Genesis. For more great podcasts like this one, visit the Noodle Mix Network at noodle.mx. That's noodle.mx. Noodle.mx.